The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Take your leadership to the next level. It's time for the Foundational Missions Leadership Moment with Scott McClelland of FX Missions. Thanks for joining the FX Missions Leadership Moment. This is a multi-part series in Profiles in Leadership. If you're not already subscribed, please do so at leadersmoment.org or wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Leadership Moment and you'll get the rest of this conversation as it unfolds. Thanks for being with us. Enjoy. Hi, Scott McClelland here for your FX Missions Leadership Moment. As you may have heard, we're in the middle of a Profiles in Leadership kind of a segment of Leadership Moment where we're trying to do a deep dive on on leaders from history or from the Bible, and maybe even people who are living now, and also Old Testament and New Testament leaders. And we'll probably do a section on misleaders just for fun. <laughs> we're excited today to be joined with Vince Corcoran. Yes. Hi, Vince. How are you? I'm good. Good to, to be on the on the podcast with you. You are. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's a it's an honor. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. After as many years as you knowing me, and for you still have that opinion, I'm I'm going to regard that as <laughs> something good. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were together in the Carolinas for a number of years, and of course, spent some time when we were in Texas at the same time. So mm-hmm. now you guys are in the Pacific Northwest. I appreciate you breaking out some minutes for us here. And uh, yeah. yeah, and also for your feedback on the request for suggestions. And the leader subject is vast. You know, we have so many, so many in history, so many in scripture, and then of course in church history and in fairly recent history or even in our, you know, people who are still living. You picked somebody out of the hat. Who was that? Well, I would have done it on you, uh, (laughs) but I I, I thought that would seem a little self-serving on your side, but I decided to go with with John Wimber, uh, the founder of the Vineyard Church. Wow, man. John Wimber. Such a, that's an excellent selection. I I am looking forward to everything I'm going to learn about John Wimber and how his leadership style and contribution can inform us even now in our leadership responsibilities. He, how long has he been gone, Vince? Oh, I'm I'm trying to remember. I know that when I was much younger than I am now, it's weird to say that I could be much younger at, at some major event in, in church history. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes sometimes I, I forget that I'm in my mid-30s and that I'm not in my early 20s. Uh, he died in 1997. Okay. I, just, I don't forget I that. 
I no longer think I'm in my early 20s, but I, I do <laughs> often think I'm in my upper 30s. So I think in relationship to yourself, that probably is similar. Yep. 1997. I remember generally those days. There's some pretty interesting facts about John Wimber. Wasn't he one of the, I don't want to steal your thunder here. We did not compare notes before this uh, podcast. <laughs> right. I think he was one of the original members of the Righteous Brothers. I, I believe that's true. He was a very talented musician uh, mm. when he was in the world and, and before he came to the Lord. I believe he was, I want to say he was 27 or 29. He was in his late 20s when it came to the Lord, but he was, he was a wild fella. He was a uh, musician that was, uh, and I apologize for the office phones in the background here if you can hear those but um no worries the he was a a biker he was a rough guy cussed like a sailor drinking chain smoking drug uh drug addicted dude and uh the lord got a hold of him wow dude i can appreciate the uh the uh congruity <laughs> <laughs> right some, some of uh, the rest of our lives were were similar he he definitely had a big turnaround. I think as he, from what I know, and we can pick through a few of the things I know, and then, then we can uh, segue from there. But do I remember right that he got involved with Calvary Chapel right at his conversion? Yep. They're in, uh, I think it's Yorba Linda, California. I think it was in 1997. Okay. Or 1977, sorry. Nin oh, interesting uh, parallel there, 1977-97. He was uh, a powerful guy he had a i think what was a great experience there in the uh in that ministry i've forgotten yeah. chuck something founded uh that particular ministry but and then I he moved on either. yeah he, he moved on to start start something a little bit different yeah he he got a, i think he got involved with the quaker church at first okay um, when he was was first saved for those who don't know the, the quaker church that there are a a pretty pretty fun uh, crowd, and the, you know they, they they would they would they're called the Quakers because they literally would wait for the Holy Spirit to drop on somebody and they'd start to quake and 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 shake and that's how they knew who had a message from the Lord and so he he kind of was a part of that tradition at at the very outset mm -hmm. and, uh, and and had influence there and I think that that was a good for somebody who was so in the world and had experienced drugs and had experienced the dark side to have something much more real. It, it, be, it became an obsession for him and he had to have real experiences because he, he knew that his buddies that he had done life with for so long before he was saved, were not going to turn to his God for a good Bible study that they needed something that was better than drugs. And so mm. that was kind of, I think the driving force for him and uh, one of the things I loved about his ministry, jumping way forward, but is that he he wrote this book called The Quest for the Radical Middle. What he cared so much about is that he would present a gospel that was accessible both to the intellectual and the unintellectual, both to the, the charismatic and to the Baptist and to the world. And he would help pull people out of the religious systems and into like just a radical, still wise, still smart, still biblically based, but expressive and demonstrative with kingdom expression. Wow, man. Yes. And that, I think that 
I guess you'd have to be intentional to have that kind of influence. I think maybe we we get the sense that, you know, our opportunity is over here or our opportunity is over there. And we kind of mm-hmm. go in one direction or one expression. But it sounds like he held himself to a standard of being more balanced, I guess, that middle ground there. Right. Right. And, and as somebody who grew up in the vineyard movement, I, I, I mean, my entire life, even in college, I, I went to a, a vineyard in Michigan. I actually went to uh, grew up with my best friend, Jeremy Shuck, who is a good friend of yours as yes. well. We grew up in the very first vineyard church in Michigan, huh. in Lansing, Michigan. And uh, so we grew up in that. And one of the things that I loved about growing up in that scenario was that we were actually just one step away from John. And so when, mm. when he died in 1997... I was in middle school and, and I remember like we had a, that next Sunday service, we were sad as a church mm, yeah. that we had lost something. Yeah. But the, the, I loved how he, he led the church in such a way that it was, it wasn't that, that you had to just be a wild person in the spiritual sense, but you need to love the word. He was very big on George Ladd's theology of the kingdom mm. of God and how the the ministry of healing worked. He was big also in actual demonstration. And um, John actually brought Jack Deere on, almost like a uh, resident theologian, after Jack Deere, who wrote The Power of the, what was it? Surprised by the the Voice of God Mm -hmm. and Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, two of my all-time favorite books. I remember finishing Surprised by the Voice of God. I was living in Kansas City at the time the final story that he tells in there was so powerful. I literally dropped the book and dropped down on my knees and started to worship God because it was just like, so like, wow, that God speaks so clearly to people. And so I love the the balance that he had. And it reminds me of the verse, um, the NIV translates it. My favorite, it's one of my few verses I love out of the NIV in Ecclesiastes. Solomon says, a man who fears the Lord uh, avoids all extremes. That was something that stuck with me from reading that. Now, there's other translations that say a man who fears the Lord goes into the bush and comes away with both. And it's kind of like, I don't know what that means. I think the NIV captures it well in saying, if you fear the Lord, you're able to hold that tension between the supernatural and the word. Like you, it's not either or, it's both and. Yes. That's a that's a hard. We put ourselves in some inconvenience <laughs> when yeah. we trouble to be ourselves to be balanced. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. And yeah. John ended up, John ended up writing a book called the the Quest for the Radical Middle, and that really was his heart is to make it easy for anybody to access what they have. And it's just like what Paul says in the First Corinthians, where he says unbelievers are going to come into your midst and you're going to tell them the secrets of their hearts, not necessarily the bad secrets, sometimes the good secrets, and they're going to fall down and repent. But at the same time, there's also, you're going to call people on their, their bad theology, and you're going to show power. You know, it's, it's just a, an amazing legacy that he left. And the ripples of it, people like Bill Johnson, like the IHOP, uh, Mike Bickle, like the, the impact that he had to move the church in a direction, not towards crazy charismania, but towards a true gospel that had power backing up the the word. Man, that 
is something I appreciated about him. And, and this, I think, in our times, uh, <laughs> he left us a good example. Let's just put it that way. But, he you know, really did. Yeah. In our times, it, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to find balance and people that have appeal that appeal to the people who more relate to the gospel intellectually. I'm not saying that in mm-hmm. a negative thing. So that to me is a, is a valid way to relate to the gospel. And then people who relate to the gospel in a spiritual sense or more in a experiential type sense, you know, and Mm -hmm. that is powerful. You know, he was he had from the things I've read and I've read the book that you mentioned, he had a solid approach to scripture and and, and he had a very love for the scripture and the centrality of pure doctrine. And he also Mm -hmm. had a miracle ministry. It's it's amazing. It it really is amazing. And that's why I think he's one of the one of the unsung heroes of leadership in the church in our generation. Or I I would still consider him in our generation because he was alive during the time that I was alive. So Mm -hmm. um, but he's at least adjacent (laughs) to us. Right. Um, Yeah. Is that is that he cared for the word so much, so much so that like even the impact that he had by valuing music and worship and the impact that uh, vineyard music influenced worship that we have now that really the 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 very free and enjoyable worship uh that came out of the vineyard set on course things like bethel music now and ihop's music and mm-hmm. uh, morning stars music like all these groups found freedom to develop out of the initial splash of vineyard music. And one of the things that I love about the vineyard music, at least back in the day, I'm, I'm not very familiar with it now. I, I don't I actually don't listen to much of their stuff anymore. But back when I was growing up, I know that they had like, they had to take their lyrics before they could just throw a, a song out there. They had to actually present their lyrics to theological criticism so they couldn't put something out there that that didn't match up with the the character of God and scripture because then you're just getting people to sing heresy and that's probably a, a bad option <laughs> for your life and as, as <laughs> my, myself being someone who's more cerebral i loved knowing that what i was singing had been vetted by people who cared about the word um, yes. and i i think that that's something that can tend to be lost and there's many songs uh these days that I edit the lyrics as I'm singing them in church (laughs) 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 or I skip a verse altogether. (laughs) Yeah, for, for sure. Please join us for the continuing conversation profiles in leadership with FX missions and the leadership moment. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so by going to leadersmoment.org or just wherever you get your podcast, search for Leadership Moment. We should be there. Thanks for joining us. This Leadership Moment was produced in partnership with Engaging Missions. Have your leadership question answered by contacting Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit FX Missions to learn more about how you can grow your leadership and engage in missions. Visit engagingmissions.com for encouragement, insight, and resources from missionaries, ministry leaders, and church planters.